Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I'm your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to continue our conversation on the topic of brain health and its importance in the context of leadership. It is my pleasure to welcome my guest, Dave Kenny, back to the show. Dave is the co-founder and executive director at Emergo Recovery, a private residential recovery and wellness center focused on a brain-first approach specializing in actualized recovery. Dave has dedicated his extensive career to helping individuals reclaim their life after struggles with addictions, anxiety, depression, and other debilitating challenges. With over 30 years of experience in the field of human development, Dave pioneered Actualized Recovery, an integrative, brain-first approach to lasting recovery. This proprietary methodology focuses on optimizing neurological function while integrating biological, psychological, spiritual, social, and lifestyle changes to create lasting recovery and well-being. It is my pleasure to welcome Dave Kenny back to the show. And again, I'm looking forward to this, Tina. So we covered a lot of ground in our last segment, and there's so many different things I'd love to ask you about. So I'd love to just jump right into you know, some of the struggles that I think our listeners and people they know have either experienced themselves or at least witnessed in other people that they know. And one angle that I think is really important because it's gotten a lot of airplay, especially the last couple of years, is the prevalence of depression and anxiety in just life in general, but also in our workplace. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, especially given all the work you do you know, through your business and otherwise about what you are seeing in this regard? First of all, it's real. Let's start there. It's not, it's not a sign again of, of uh, a weak character or, you know, come on, let's do this. It's very similar to you've got a liver problem or a lung problem. So the brain is having a problem. It's not functioning right. And if you listen to me, I, I didn't say a chemical imbalance. There is yet to be shown in the world a test, an effective test to show a chemical imbalance for depression or anxiety. And what the tablets can do is bring short-term relief because the tablet changes how the brain functions today. And then tomorrow, you got to take it again to again change how the brain is functioning. Others are finding Mark Hyman and, and Dr. Mark Hyman and the Broken Brain series, great series if you want to look that up, brokenbrain.com, I think it is. Dr. Amon's work, our work here at Emergo Recovery is what we're finding is that the brain drives us. And so if the brain is in a dysfunction state, I can feel certain things. And some of the symptoms of that imbalanced brain can be an anxiousness and it can be overwhelming. We've worked with people who haven't left their bedroom for a year or more. And that's pretty hard to believe, but it's true. And they've tried every, every modality possible and they've gotten little to zero relief from that, if anything, has gotten worse. And, and, and depression and anxiety seem to be going hand in hand more often. And people are previously diagnosed with these things before coming to us. But if you look at other works, Dr. Mark Hyman works on nutrition and how to help the brain change itself. And that's the solution. 
neuroplasticity, your ability to help your brain rewire. And that goes both ways. But by eating a certain way and doing some things in lifestyle changes and not drinking, not smoking, you can rewire your brain. And by doing that, when your brain functions in a more balanced way, you will feel better. So what do you, in your work at Emergo Recovery and otherwise, what do you attribute what appears to be an increase in depression and anxiety? How much of it is the way that our environment and the world's evolving and how much of it is just better diagnosis? Well, I I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And one of them is 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 technology it has it it rewires the brain and changes the brain we can only take on so much information in a day and we are barraged with information and so when you when you overwhelm a computer some things can happen if you're not taking care of it and not good things and so that there's the the brain stress that we're under also you know the media really really is focused on you know you talk about clickbait and all that stuff but negative events stick to us like Velcro. And so they use negative events. Positive events are more like Teflon. And this is from an, from an evolutionary standpoint. I had to remember that down the wrong path was a saber-toothed tiger or not eat this red berry because I get sick. So we have to, we are hardwired to remember and, and focus on the negative more the positive. And when media gets a hold of that, which they have, and they understand how to attract people and keep people on their sites longer using this evolutionary fundamental part of us and this can be overbearing to people and boy boy if that's all you're listening to and turning on you've got to be very mindful of that and so mindfulness is actually part of the solution meditation uh, i've done transcendental meditation tm before that's been wonderful and emily fletcher has a great meditation program online called ziva meditation and also we teach and follow and promote a paleo lifestyle, not just what you eat. It's also movement in other parts of that. So, you know, adopting a paleo lifestyle really enhances brain function and overall health, well-being, and happiness. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what a paleo lifestyle looks like for, so just so our listeners who may not be as familiar with it have a better understanding. Now, in short, eat real food. It's short. <laughs> and how it's, can you tell when something's real, when something's not real? That's easy. You know, if it has a list of ingredients, well, it's probably not a real food. It's probably a man-made processed food. So, you know, I'll, I'll dive in a little bit more. So you want to eat real nutrient dense foods. So, you know, a hundred calories from um, a chocolate bar and a hundred calories from fruit are not the same calories. It's not about calorie counting. So think of that for a minute. If I have uh, 1,500 calories in a day, which is low, but if it's, if it's all made up of ice cream and donuts and I have 1,500 calories in a day made up by good proteins and good vegetables and good fruits, the diets aren't even close to being the same. And so this is about eating you know, clean, natural, nutrient-dense foods. And what I'm talking about are grass-fed, grass-finished meats, usually organic fruits and vegetables, water nuts, uh, berries, and eliminating dairy, sugar, pastas, and um, glutens, because those turn into sugars in our system. 
and that's not actually good for our brain. So we really want to eat a nutrient-dense system. And, and, and bear in mind, I'm going to go a step further. You are not just what you eat. You are what you eat eats. So if you're eating a raspberry that's been sprayed with a toxin, and it's usually a neurochemical toxin too, because that's partly why it kills the bugs, you start eating that, that's what you're taking on board. You don't want that on your in you. So there's something called the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. And uh, the dirty dozen, you really want to make sure you're buying those organically. But you don't have to buy an organic avocado. You can buy a conventional one. That's fine because you take the peel off. Gotcha. That's really helpful. So switching gears a little bit, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the good work that you are doing at Emergo and what the whole concept is of actualized recovery and how it fits in to the work that you're doing? Thank you for that, Tina. The Emergo Recovery, we've been doing this for about a decade now and over a thousand clients on our residential property and, and also all their families. It's important to work with the families too. But it's it's been an evolution, and we're continually learning as as food sciences and neuroscience and behavioral sciences advance. We're continually evolving as well. But fundamentally, we're doing the same thing we were doing ten years ago, which was first let's start with brain and let's help the brain and let's optimize and balance the brain. And when we do that, let's apply other modalities and learning positive psychology, mindfulness, nutrition. One of the things we added about three years ago is something called, maybe about four, four years ago now, orthomolecular restoration or orthomolecular medicine. A big word in what it really means is vitamin IV therapy. And it's a wonderful thing. A lot of naturopathic offices now offer that. And what it, it's, it's to augment or supplement food sources because our soils aren't as rich as they used to be. And it's a wonderful thing. And instead of getting a flu shot, create with your doctor, with your naturopathic doctor, a plan with vitamin IV or orthomolecular. That's been an incredible thing. It's, it's Again, it's about putting the right things in my body and my brain is going to optimize, my sleep is going to be better, and I'm going to perform better. So how can our listeners sort of know when they need the help of a professional like you rather than seeking assistance from other sources? Well, that's a great question. And, and I think everybody knows that and people, people search for more. And it's that maybe, maybe there's struggles in my life and I'm having a hard time getting out of bed and even going to work. But it can also be an individual who just thinks that they, they, they know intuitively inside. And I've been through this in my life earlier where I know I've got more and I'm not reaching what I believe I can do. And anybody who's that, and even leadership, especially sales groups and law firms and high-stressed environments, to really adopt some of the learning here and implement this will help you um, achieve that. Now, do I need a professional or not? I'll let people decide, but you've got to begin by looking at the resources. I've mentioned a bunch today. I really lean towards more life coaching and not talk therapy because life coaching is about today moving forward. I'm a certified brain health coach as well with the Amen Clinics, and there's lots of us around. And uh, it really is an individual thing. Some people do need and would benefit from a residential program. We have, you know, a four, four to six week residential recovery program, but we also have a 12 day, two week executive program for people. And one of, actually one of them was a lawyer. She was being called to the bench as a judge and, and she wanted to work on memory, focus, attention, and drink a little less wine. And so she came to us for 
13 days, I think it was. And uh, uh, last I heard was doing incredibly well. And I don't mean professionally, I mean professionally and personally. That's fantastic. So switching gears just a little bit, we've been talking a lot about professionals. We've been talking about leaders and companies that employ all of these folks. Taking a look at everything you've experienced as a professional, as well as the degree that you're in the middle of getting and all the education you've had, plus your life experience, for those who are the leaders of different organizations who maybe are listeners out there, how can leaders and their companies gain a competitive advantage taking all of the sage wisdom you've shared with us in order to create a brain-healthy culture? Well, it's just, it's, I think it's the fundamentals of leadership. First of all, you have to do it yourself. You know, you've, you've got to embrace this and make it part of your culture. Just brushing it down the downhill doesn't work with anything in, in, in leadership. So it really is embracing this. And you talked earlier about self-care and bringing it into the culture. So Arianna Huffington has done this a couple of years ago with the Huffington Post and created sleep pods. And sleep pods are, you know, are actually constructed this way. It's kind of like a little mini silent, you know, cocoon. And you go into these into these rooms and it's a 20 minute, 20 minutes, not two hours, a 20 minute recharge pseudo nap. And, and they, we now know in science that you are more productive in the course of a day having a 20 minute nap mid morning or mid afternoon, you actually have accomplished more in an eight or 10 hour day than you have without that. And I know that's counterintuitive to go, go, go system. And, you know, you have to get structured. I have to get structured. There are days where uh, I, I love hot yoga. I go to, I go to moto hot yoga, but I have to treat it like an appointment with anybody else. And I've got to put myself at the top of that level. So as leaders, we have to embrace that in our lives and, in our, and, and then create that culture. And first thing, walk down to the kitchen in your office. What foods are in there? And you know, how much do, can your firm or your company invest in the people that work there? Bring in a coach for people if you want. Talk about uh, investing in health. So invest in vitamin IVs or in gym memberships or yoga memberships with people. Put your money there. Invest in the people. There's a performance it is a performance business that everybody's in. Well, let's help our people perform. And we, we all invest in the best computers for people and the best tools. Well, the biggest, the biggest asset we all have is our human capital. Well, let's invest in that and let's create a culture that helps people thrive in every area of their life and your business will become more profitable. Great advice. And I feel very fortunate as I was listening to you speak about how to go about creating a more brain healthy culture. I feel very fortunate that I'm part of a firm that really values its people, has a very strong, positive culture, talks about the value of things like meditation and mindfulness and self-care. There's been a lot of discussion about mindfulness, particularly over the last year or two. And I think our listeners may have different sorts of ideas of of what mindfulness really means, particularly in the context of the conversation we're having today. Can you just share with our listeners what mindfulness means to you and where it fits in this entire construct? Well, you, you mentioned depression and anxiety earlier. And depression really lives in the past. You know, the shame and the guilt and the, oh my God, and those thoughts of the past can bring a lot of depressed thoughts. 
and yet out in the future can bring a lot of anxiousness and worry. I don't know what's going to happen here. Am I going to get fired? Am, am I going to lose the case? What's going to happen here? Mindfulness is getting present. And that's it in a, in, a, in a short run, but you can you can work on it more. And so I heard a great interview last summer. I'm a Blue Jay fan. We're not doing real well right now, but I heard a great interview from our pitchers, one of our pitchers who talks about he's using mindfulness in his pitching. And that was the biggest thing he did, not physical in the off season. And what he talked about is he focused on what he can control right up to the moment the ball left his hand and he can't control what happens after that ball leaves his hand. And so being mindful of where his elbow was and, and where his body was and focusing that and then letting go of the result, ball strike, home run, a single, whatever happened at the plate, he's not in control of anymore. And that allowed him to get flustered. So emotionally, he was able to stay more focused, mentally stay more focused because the ball came back to him and he's divorced of the result. And now he goes back through his process. And that's, that's, a, that's the most extreme example I could give you of being mindful and being present. I would encourage you to be more mindful when you eat. Being more mindful when you eat is, is enjoying your food. Take a bite, put your fork down. Allow your body to, to taste and enjoy that and digest that versus shoveling food in. That's not being mindful. So being present with what it is that we're doing, whether that's a work task whether that's a recreational task, be more mindful of what's going on and be more present. Great advice. And so let's talk a little bit more about neuroplasticity. We've touched on it in this segment and our last segment together. Let's talk a little bit more about how it factors into brain health. We know what it is based on our discussion earlier but let's drill down a little bit more on what our listeners need to know about it in the context of brain health. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't really touch on actualized recovery question earlier, but I want to bring the two worlds together here with neuroplasticity. So in short, neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to rewire based on the, your environment and, and what you do. So if you think about it, when I brush my teeth, I'm a, I use my right hand typically because my left hand is very cumbersome. It's not the tool, it's not the instrument, it's not the task. It's that my neurons haven't been wired that way. But I could if I wanted to, if I brushed my teeth for a year or so, or maybe less, with my left hand, it would be just as fluid. So that's neuroplasticity, the ability to rewire my brain. And it's not the instrument, as I said, or the task. It, it is actually that the brain has never learned to do it that way. So we can teach our brain new things and an ability to grow. Learning is a huge thing. Sudoku, crossword puzzles, reading, new opportunities and new challenge enhance neuroplasticity. And, and that kind of was the foundation of what you've mentioned earlier, actualized recovery. Um, and this also came through my PhD studies is that it's a brain first approach to recovery. So it, everybody defines addictions as a brain disease or a brain disorder. I don't want to have this conversation of the differences of disease and disorder. It doesn't matter. Both camps believe it's a brain issue. Well, if it's a brain issue, let's, neuro, let's physiologically help the brain. So it's a brain-first approach. And there's five other modalities with it. It's biological, brain and body. Uh, remember, the second brain is your gut. The second is psychology and positive psychology and coaching. And uh, the third is spiritual who I am as a person, my value system there too, and what makes me laugh, what's, what's, what do I enjoy? The fourth is social, 
that the people that are around me, the in, in less friends, but my work colleagues and my friends, the social environment and community has an influence on my brain as well. And then lifestyle and lifestyle is just as big. So it's, it's a take out of the biopsych social model, but we've gone a little bit further in understanding the importance of spiritual and also lifestyle for the functionality of the brain and the happiness of my life. So our time together is quickly running out. And so a couple more questions I'd love to ask you to take everything that we've talked about in the past 50 minutes and to help our listeners tie it up and apply it in their lives. So we've talked about how being a professional in today's world puts a lot of stress on our bodies and on our minds. And it's whether you're a leader or someone who is being led, it's the same situation for both. What steps can we all take to make sure that we take the great advice you've given us and apply it to the day-to-day of everyday lives? And a specific example is for a lot of our listeners, travel it can be a big part of their job and all the stress that goes with that. What can we do, for example, to make sure that we maintain proper brain health when we are lacking sleep and changing time zones, whether it's because we're traveling or just trying to to function in a world where we cross time zones all the time because we are working with global businesses. Yeah, go back to the fundamentals. And again, I'll introduce Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you know, self-actualization being the pinnacle, but the bottom part is physiological. And if that falls apart, whether we're sick, nothing happens. And, and, and so it's really important to focus on physiologicals, travel and stress and everything else. And, and when you begin to learn to love your brain and understand that your brain is the engine that drives performance and behavior, then when you travel, you're going to do things to optimize that. So whether that, you know, the, the fundamentals are water and the brain loves water. It loves good fats. So um, avocados and olive oils, loves good fats, coconut oils, loves that. It thrives with that good, clean proteins. I won't eat airplane food. doesn't matter the airline. I just won't eat it. I pack my food and take it with me. Um, and it, it makes an amazing difference. Uh, sleep, movement, and oxygen. What are you doing at the hotel? Can you can you work out in a gym or find a yoga? Actually, I'm traveling to LA next week, and I'm already thinking about. Well, I will be contacting the hotel to see if they got yoga and what kind of gym they got, or maybe I'm in LA and it's 80 degrees. I'll go outside, but it doesn't have to be a, a marathon. And actually, it's not overly good for the brain either. But I'm talking about uh, high interval training or yoga, things where I bring oxygen on board, and that helps my brain thrive. So go back to your fundamentals. You know, I do certain tricks when changing time zones. Depends on how many days I'm there. If it's for a day, I stay on East Coast time, and I just I just change times in my calendar. But physiologically, I stay in that same time zone. But if I'm there for a week, I'll adapt to that. But uh, really, those are the those are the things that you want to do. Melatonin when traveling, good thing that can help you. But again, that should only be used for about three to five days. Otherwise, the brain gets kind of confused and stops producing its own melatonin. But food, sleep, water, movement, and oxygen, and avoid the other things that are not good for the brain. We've already talked about that. So Dave, that's great advice. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear what's next for you. You're doing amazing work. You are helping people change their lives. What do you see coming up for you in the next few years? 
oh, that's, uh, I don't even know, next few years. I'm still working on the next six months because it's so exciting. Completing my PhD in the next couple of years, and I'm looking forward to that day uh, very much. It's, uh, I have that vision in my head, and that's a driver for me. I'm attending an Archangel Summit called Archangel's Messengers in LA, and I'm looking forward to that. That's, a, that's a, an influential group, and I'm looking forward to that. And we're talking about scaling here at Emergo Recovery. And um, we want to take actualized recovery and what we do here at Emergo Recovery, we want to take it out to the world. And I'm looking out for uh, capacity to kind of teach the teachers. And so uh, we're talking about creating that this next six months or year. And, uh, and with that would be uh, the book that I've always wanted to write as well. So we've got a few things on the board. That's fantastic. And so as we wind down, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners and where can they find you? Yeah, it's just really, I, I think that from a leadership point of view, whether that's myself or others that I have, again, it's a cultural shift, but it's understanding the value of doing that. And you're not going to see uh, an impact this week. And sometimes people struggle with change. So it's really learning and using all the other skill sets we've all learned through leadership and, and implementing change in a culture but it is ultimately going to pay off. And when I, when I start to live and promote in my culture a brain-healthy lifestyle, think of Huffington Post with uh, sleep pods or a meditation room or, or investing in yoga and things. By the way, your firm sounds amazing. And this is the new competitive advantage. You know, to be corny, this is the new black. The brain health and bringing it into a culture will give you the competitive advantage because the majority of people still don't get it. And so if you really want that edge, this is your firm is very much on the cutting edge for health and performance. And I was, I was smiling when you were describing it. And then if you want to reach out to us again, it's Emergo recovery, E M E R G O recovery. Dot com. Oh, you can call or text us too at 249-877-8776. And you can find me on LinkedIn and that's Dave Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y. Dave, I've really enjoyed our time together and I look forward to continuing our conversation on a future episode. Thanks so much for the wonderful work that you are doing in this world and best of luck to you as you finish up your PhD and beyond. Tina, I love your commitment to bringing just deep, wonderful information to people and helping them in their lives. It aligns with my work. So I just love it when people make a commitment to help others and uh, really impressed with your show. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. I hope that you've enjoyed our discussion with Dave Kenny about the importance of brain health in the context of leadership. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.